Yo, today's QOD is a good marriage is two people who know deep down that if they had to, they could survive on their own. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. How about a little throwback Thursday today? Let's take it all the way back to episode number 39 with our featured speaker, Connie Podesta, and one of our most popular talks ever on relationships and marriage. Here's Connie. And then you have in almost every relationship one person who's high energy. They jump out of bed in the morning, they're raring to go. They've got everything organized, everything planned. If you go on vacation, they have an itinerary typed in triplicate sent to every single family member. And who does this unbelievably dynamic person almost always marry? The person who barely moves. They marry the person whose favorite lines are, calm down, just relax. And the one we hate the most, you know what your problem is? You worry too much. And the verbal high energy screams out, well, that's a good thing one of us were worried because if we were both like you, nothing would get done around here now, would it? And we also have in almost every relationship one person that loves to spend. Oh, they love to spend. They have so much fun. Their motto is, let's spend it. We could be dead tomorrow. And who do they always marry? The person that says, well, we better be dead tomorrow at the rate you're going through our money. We won't have anything left. How does this happen? How do we end up? Here's why. Because you know what? We aren't attracted to people because of their strengths. We're attracted to people because of our own weaknesses. All of us in here, we all have little fears, little doubts, little secrets, little phobias. We date and date and date until we find someone that just slides right in to everything about us that we have a hard time dealing with. When we're apart, Ooh, we don't like it. We want to be with them again. Now, of the laid-back or high-energy, which one do you think I am? I'm the verbal high-energy. My third week in college, first semester, I already had mono. I was already anemic. I had not slept yet. I had joined every club, speech, and debate, traveled, doing it all. I'm walking out of the infirmary, and I see him sitting there doing nothing. And it turned me on. different but we love it not only was he sitting there doing nothing he didn't feel guilty about it he was totally relaxed and I looked at this person went that's how I want to be I want to be able to sit do nothing and feel nothing about it and my friend said what's this new guy like and I went how do we all describe the laid-back person when we first start meeting him dating him laid back easy going calm peaceful relaxed whoa now what attracted Larry to me You know why he was sitting there? He'd forgotten to register. (laughs) And you know what else? He didn't care. (laughs) I took over. I got him registered. I got him signed up. I got tickets to the Four Tops concert. We, verbal high energies, allow you laid back people to be more laid back than you thought humanly possible to be. (laughs) 
And people say, what's your new girlfriend like? How do we describe the high energy when we first meet them? Dynamic, energetic, passionate, successful, intelligent. Now, does this sound like a match made in heaven? The sweet, sensitive, laid-back, easygoing person marries the dynamic, intelligent, hyperactive, and enthusiastic person. Now, there's three basic stages of any relationship. The first is called illusion. It is when we know this person is different, we respect their differences, and we strive to incorporate their differences into our life. It lasts about two to three years. Somewhere in the third to fourth year of marriage, the verbal high energy takes over. How many of you in here, if you had to choose, would say you're more the verbal high energy? How many of you remember the first day you lost it, became a screaming, loony person right in your own home? I walked in, I'd been teaching all day. Larry was sitting in his black recliner chair watching the last game of the World Series. I had the groceries in one hand cleaning in another, mail under my chin. I looked at the man in my life that I loved with all my heart and verbals. We didn't mean to do this, did we? I mean, it came out. I don't know where it came from. We look at our laid-back, easy-going, sweet people, and all of a sudden we look at them and say, Get up! <laughs> now, laid-back goes, Whoa. And then out it comes. It's like a dam burst open. Five years. I can't take it anymore. I make all the decisions. I do everything. Oh, whoa. And the laid-back panics. They go, Calm down. Just relax. What's the problem? Well, for example, the house. Laid-back goes, Hmm, house looks fine to me. Well, it's not. And then they lay back because they don't want any problems. They try to fix it. And they say, Connie, if there's a problem and you need help, just... <laughs> These are fighting words to the ver just ask. The verbal high energy knows what needs to be done in 25 years. They've already started doing it. Nobody had to ask them. If the verbal high energy tells you to take out the garbage, they want your hand on the can before they finish the sentence. None of this wait until halftime. Oh, no, I want it uh, now. Their motto is, you got eyes in your head, you can see what needs to be done. Am I your maid? Do I look like your maid? Now, I told my husband, I said, Larry, you're the laid back. I need to have the laid back person. So how many of you in here are more laid back? If you're sitting next to a laid back, help them raise their hand. I said, Larry, what are you thinking? Because the laid back won't talk. He says, here's what you're thinking. He says the laid-back person sitting there looking at us verbal hierarchies saying to themselves, oh, you're nuts. What's the big deal? I work hard all day. I deserve to come home and have a little peace and quiet. Do we have to be going somewhere doing something every minute of the day? Can't you just be content to relax? And after three short years, we're calling our loved ones by different names. What do we now call the sweet, sensitive, laid-back, easygoing person? Lazy slob. I have a lazy slob right here in this house. What do we call the enthusiastic, passionate, high-energy person? Yes, you can't say that word. <laughs> we'll just refer to it as the hyperactive witch. Do you know that almost every couple that came into my office for counseling had a lazy slob married to a hyperactive witch and they were willing to pay me 85 bucks an hour to fix the other person. <laughs> Do you know that that's what counseling is always about? I never in all my years of counseling had anyone walk into me and say, Connie, I am a disturbed individual and I'm a problem to everyone I come in contact with. I'd like help. Everyone that came into counseling was fine. However, they had a spouse, a teenager, a child, a mother-in-law, a co-worker, someone else in their life that needed serious help. People have asked me to define a good marriage. 
I think a good marriage is two people totally comfortable living alone. Now you all laugh, but I want you to think about this. A good marriage is two people who know deep down, they know that if they had to, they could survive on their own. Two people that know that it is impossible to make another person happy. That's that person's job. Two people that know that it's impossible for anyone else to make us happy. That's our job. Two people that know that each of us has the God-given right to achieve our destiny even if the other person doesn't enjoy it, understand it, or want to do it with us. Two people that know that they could live alone, who choose instead, day after day, to live side by side. My husband and I have been married 29 years. People say, Connie, how have you stayed married to the same person for 29 years? I said, oh, he hasn't been the same person. This has been four, five, six different men, right? <laughs> different personalities that you had to put up with. When we talk about a good marriage, my last daughter recently left for college. How many of you are alone again? Kids gone, out of the house. Whoa, they say that the children of baby boomers are called boomerangs. <laughs> We're not afraid that they'll leave. Our biggest fear is they will come back. When my last daughter left, it was kind of exciting. We could go where we want, do what we wanted. But a couple of weeks later, we're sitting at the kitchen table, and Larry looked at me, and he says, Connie, you seem kind of sad. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I kind of am. I mean, for 25 years, our daughters needed us. They needed our time, our love, our attention, our car, and our money. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, they're grown-up ladies. They don't need us. And my husband, who's very independent, said something that blew me away. He said, Connie, you know what? That's kind of how I feel about you. He said, in the last two or three years, I've seen you get more and more successful. You have a book, travel around the country, you make good money. He said, I'm not so sure that you need me. Now, I'm a good wife. I knew that this is one of these times where my answer was really important. And I thought about it, and I looked at this man that I've known for 30 years, and I said, you're right. I don't need you anymore. I don't need you for money, because I could support myself. And I don't need you for companionship. I have friends all over the world. And I don't need you to add meaning to my life, because that was my job. And thankfully, I discovered something that gives me unbelievable passion. But then I looked at this dear, dear friend, and I said, don't you understand, Larry? What a great place we're at. It's not about need anymore. When I'm two and 3,000 miles away like I was last week and could have stayed another night at the most gorgeous resort and instead I get on an 8.30 plane, make two connections, get home at 4 a.m. in the morning. Don't you understand? It's not because I need to be here. It's just this is where I want to be more than any single place in the world. relationships are not based on need. If you need to be with someone because you're afraid that you could not survive on your own, if you need a job because you're afraid that you could not get work elsewhere, if you need someone or something, there will always be some form of abuse, verbal, physical, sexual, mental, spiritual, because your fear of being without is so great that you'll put up with anything rather than be alone. 
All right, that was Connie Podesta. Her website is ConniePodesta.com. Today's clip comes from an audio program you can get at Nightingale.com called Secrets of Super Achievers. And you can pick up Connie's latest book, Life Would Be Easy If It Weren't for Other People, in the QOD bookstore at QODbooks.com. Tomorrow at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, the doors for Money Mind Academy totally close until the next semester. I really want to see you in class. I'm going to help you to completely change your relationship with money so you can let more money into your life and reach and surpass your 2019 money goals. And so again, that closes tomorrow. You can learn more about that at moneymindacademy.com. Again, moneymindacademy.com. Scroll down, look at the bonus. It's a live event. When you enroll, you get to come to a live event for free to hang out with myself and some of your favorite QOD speakers and your fellow Money Mind Academy students. And so it's totally going to rock. I hope to see you in class and I hope to see you in San Diego Labor Day weekend. That is it for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I am out of here. Peace. Peace.